here in Nashville, it's so based on relationships. People will not put you on a writer's round at their bar with 20 people if they don't know you. And if you right. don't show up for their writers, you don't buy a beer at their bar, they don't get out of here. They're exactly. nothing to us. Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends, if you're doing it the right way anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Travis Makes Friends. Today, I am making friends with Whitney Miller. Whitney, what's up? Welcome to the Hey, show. thanks for having me. I feel like we've already made friends with each other, That's but true. now we're just continuing to make the, the more of that. friendship. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Just continuing to build the friendship. We're deepening the friendship. Because well, the last time that we were here, we did a, we were supposed to do an interview. I was going to say, we did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> we're supposed to do an interview, and uh, somebody may have had a few drinks too many the night before. Which is and, not me. And it wasn't it wasn't you, <laughs> and it wasn't Jackie sitting on the chair over here. It was me. So, Although technically, Jackie I did, did have a few too many drinks the night before. Mm. I just didn't tell you guys uh, when you I just, got there. You just still showed up is the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And technically, I was there. You were. I was. You I showed just up. I just sat there with a... My head in my hands. Like God, that. hangovers are the worst. I yeah. hate hangovers. I just, I, I really wish they didn't exist yeah. because I do like to indulge in alcoholic beverages. Mm, I hear that. Yeah, I think I still went out that night as well. But the thing is, when you're a parent and you have two small kids at home mm. and you are out somewhere for three days without yeah. that and they stay home with the grandparents, it's like, you know, you got to rally. Right. Because when's the next time? Exactly. You got to take full advantage That's of that. Right. So I can I, imagine. Yeah, I think I, I think I still went out that night and, and still drank. Well, I'm impressed. I mean, Nashville is the place to do it. Let me tell you, I moved here from Austin and I thought Austin was a drinking town. Nope. This is Nash Vegas for a reason. And everyone just goes crazy really? all the time. Even more so than Austin. Way more. Really? Way more. Wow. And I had friends who like ran clubs and and like, you know, big events like that out in Vegas and New York and Miami. And then they're like, wait, I moved to Austin and everyone's just drinking like crazy. So I thought I was primed. Yeah, like, yeah. I got this, Nashville. Yeah. No, like I said, when I walked in, Nashville always wins. Yeah. <laughs> always. Well, we'll put that to the test. Okay. Today and tomorrow. Good right. luck out there. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. We'll get some recommendations from you. Okay, so I know you got a ton of stuff you're working on right now. Before we jump into kind of the past and build some context, let's do a quick plug at the beginning here. You just came out with your newest single. Yes. Right? How's that been going? Talk to me about that process. It's great. Yeah, this is my second single. It's called 15 Minutes of Fame. I wrote that over the summer with three girls that I met here in Nashville. I've been here just for a year now. Okay. And so, you know, trying to find my tribe and my community. And, and that's really important being a songwriter here in town is finding people who you trust to write with and continuing to write with them as much as possible, basically. And so these girls, thankfully, trusted me to rent a little cabin out in the woods and just write for three days straight. Oh, it nice. was one of the songs that we wrote while we were out there. And amongst many others that I'll be releasing this year. 
too, but it's it's called 15 Minutes of Fame. And Kelly Seidel, I was sitting there with her and we had some wine in us and having a good time. And she's like, man, I have this title called 15 Minutes of Fame. And I'm kind of thinking like, you know, maybe when you date somebody and like you see them do this, go to the same bar and like they're just kind of like taking you along for the same ride that you're their new girl for the same ride that you went on. And I was like, shoot, do I got a story for you? Yes, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And so we just started like going back and like telling stories about our exes and like things that we went through. And, and that's the cool thing about songwriting is that you just build something out of a little baby idea and you have yeah. no idea where it's going to go or how it's going to turn out. And it was one of my favorite songs that we wrote that weekend. And that was, like I said, over the summer back in August. And we just released it last week and people.com premiered it, which was awesome for me, particularly being my second single, second musical thing I've ever done, period. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What I love about your story, and now we're gonna do the context building part, because that's my favorite part. Love about your story is the constant reinvention, mm. and you seem you seem to like never be well, maybe not never be afraid to go do something different, but at least you don't let fear stop you from going and doing that thing and doing it to its fullest extent. So let's rewind the clock. Let's go all the way back in time. Let's say nine-year-old Whitney Miller. Where were you in the world? How did you grow up? Your parents, culture, all that stuff. I grew up in South Texas and my parents divorced when I was really young, I think like six months old or something. And so I never really knew them together. So my dad raised me, I had two brothers. I was constantly like on the water and hunting and just doing anything that my brothers would do sports wise. So I think now thinking about it, maybe that's one of the reasons why I am so comfortable with just reinventing myself and trying new things because anytime they would do something, I would just try it, mm. you know, and just give it a go. Do you remember and, being afraid of anything back then or about, like any of the sort of kind of more sports activities or anything like that? I don't remember being afraid of anything. I mean, I was, I remember being in gymnastics from an early, early age, like a competitive gymnastics team. You know, we were sailing constantly. I did, I started soccer when I was like five years old mm. and I was a figure skater as well, competitive <laughs> figure skater. Competitive figure skater. Yeah, wow. yeah. I'm literally in like Texas. in Texas. Yeah. yeah, which is rare. Who did I compete against? You know <laughs> what I mean? But it was basically like anything that I could compete and like challenge myself. I just loved that. Yeah. And that just stuck with me. But, you know, we're talking about nine year old Whitney. Ten year old Whitney was told that she couldn't sing. Mm. And that's where this entire journey kind of started. And I used to put on all kinds of shows for my parents and my family, like in the living room and I would have my dad sit on the couch and listen to me sing one song five, six, seven different times and then tell me which one he liked the best. You know, like- <laughs> The same song. The same song. Which performance did you yeah. enjoy? <laughs> you gotta be like, oh, not this again. You know what I mean? But- I'm sure he enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, I think, yeah, pro probably. As a dad. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, you're a dad. See, if I was a kid told me to sit there and listen to them yeah. sing 10 times, I'd be no, like, not somebody else's kid. This is not <laughs> yeah, going to work for, for sure. me, bud. You know? Yeah. But, and so then, who told you you couldn't sing them? Someone really close to me. Really? Someone really close to me, yeah. And I took that to heart. I was just like, oh, well, then I can't sing. And if mm. I do sing, that means I'm not going to be loved and they won't love me, love me. And from that day, never sang again in front of anyone. And I would sing by myself, but my biggest fear was 
anyone potentially hearing me. Like if I lived in this apartment, I wouldn't sing just in case someone was walking by outside and could hear mm. me singing to myself. It became like a really strong phobia of mine. A story that deep root inside of your mind. Exactly, exactly. And I had no idea how to get rid of it. And I really thought that I was gonna go to my deathbed with it laying dormant there. Did you want to like Badly. keep doing it? Badly, it was the one thing that I thought about a thousand times a day. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And I just couldn't do it. Even would you think about that when you were like fully throwing yourself into other things as well? Oh, yeah. Really? Wow. I really think because I was, you know, as constantly competing in sports, you know, and I did really well at that. I was Miss Texas. I was Miss United States. I went into fighting. I did, you know, hosted this big podcast. I'd done all of these things, but I think it was in order to try to scratch the itch of music. I'm like, at some point, I'm going to forget about scratch that itch. Yeah. Well, I was hoping that at some point I'm going to forget about wanting to sing, like, because I accomplished so much in this one area that like singing to me is nothing anymore. Right. No, it just got louder and louder and louder. And I finally had to do something about it. Yeah. It was like the, the other things just magnified the desire. They didn't make it silent. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. What, why do you think you finally were like, all right, I'm ready. I think it was a I think it was a long journey. In my last relationship, we were doing all kinds of plant medicines and like on this big healing and spiritual journey and of course, singing and the fear of that would always come up. And my ex at the time would always he knew that this is something that I wanted to do. I don't think he knew how deep it really ran for me because no one knew. It yeah. was something I couldn't even write in my journal because that means I was admitting to myself acknowledging the right exactly and i wasn't ready for it to be that real but when you're you know at this point 17 ayahuasca ceremonies down like at some point it's going to come up you can't (laughs) run from it right like so there was i think it was just you know working with different coaches and sitting with different plant medicine ceremonies and and working with different therapists and all of these things and and finally at one of my last ayahuasca ceremonies in the ceremony whether this is real or not, you know, it showed me that if I didn't sing, if I didn't use that part of me and I kept repressing it, that it would manifest as a disease in my gut and I would die. And I remember just trying to puke it up, like, no, please, I don't want to sing, I don't want to sing, I don't want to sing, like, just get it out of me, you know, like, let me puke up singing so I don't have to do it. And it wasn't that. And so the next, very next day, I, I went into the sharing circle with 25 people and sang for the first time. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the first time since you were 10 years old you yeah, actually sang in front of people. Yeah. What do you sing? Angel from Montgomery. By, it's originally by John Prime. Bonnie Raitt did a cover of it. My favorite is Susan Tedeschi who sings it. Why that song? Any significance or just something? That I just mind? loved it. It just felt good to me. And yeah. I just love how I love Bonnie Raitt. You know what I mean? And I just love, I just like it. What did everybody was Everyone was in tears. Everyone really? was bawling, crying. My brother was there, which was a very cool experience for him. And everyone also was just like, wait, but you can sing. Like, <laughs> this is so bizarre. <laughs> like, it's one thing. That's, that's going to be the overwhelming reaction, right? Yeah. Like, you want people to follow their dreams and everything like that. But then, like, if somebody's like, I want to be a singer, and they start singing, and they're like, like oh, oh. Maybe I not. want to be supportive here. Yeah, but I don't know <laughs> how, how do I be supportive? to do that. Maybe you yeah. should produce music. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's so many other different things you can do <laughs> in the industry. Yeah. Right. 
And that's funny that you say that because there were people, multiple people in the group that came up to me afterwards and they were like, when you said that you're about to sing, we didn't know if it was going to be like terrible yeah. or really Everybody's good. stomach dropped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thankfully no one walked out and everyone, it was really like a big emotional experience for all of us. Okay. So when was that? Oh man, I'm really bad with dates, but I would say like six years ago. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. so this was still, this was still when you were living in Austin. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how long after that until you were consistently getting out there and singing or actually practicing writing music or? 2020. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So yeah. So it took a couple of years. For sure. Because it was still something I was afraid of. Just because Absolutely. I took that one step didn't yeah. mean it was like, eh, whatever, I'm good now. Yeah. It yeah. was, I had to retrain my nervous system that I wasn't going to die by using my voice in front of people. Where did you start? Like in terms of, you start just going to? I hired a vocal coach. Okay. I hired a vocal coach to where I could just only sing in front of them, which was still absolutely petrifying to me. I had to take beta blockers just to go to my vocal lesson, yeah. which is so yeah. insane to me still. And and he just like worked with me on it, thankfully. And I then at this simultaneously, this is like when COVID started happening, I started coming up here to Nashville and just to see a friend of mine because I wanted I was going through that big breakup and I wanted to come here and get out of Austin and see a new spot and when you walk into Nashville you can't get away from music yeah no kidding you cannot get away from Even if it. you try I mean start running and <laughs> yeah. all you're gonna do is run into more live music or yeah. a musician or a songwriter or a producer any day of the week any day of the it's week, like your valet yeah. guy, yeah. the people who pick up your trash, like everyone is a musician here. Yeah. And all of your favorite record labels are right down on Music Row, CMA's here, CMT's here. So it was just a very shocking experience for me to walk into basically the manifestation or like an yeah. actual vision That's of like, what my dream life is, Yeah, you know? And it could either be a version of heaven or a version of hell, right. depending on where you are in your mind. <laughs> yes, exactly. And thankfully for me at that time, I was just kind of like star eyed to it. Of, oh, this is a life that I could have mm. if I choose it. And funny enough, on that trip, my vocal coach called me and said, hey, I want to do this thing for YouTube. Or will you come in and sing in a studio? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? I didn't say that. That's yeah. what I was saying in my head. But I was like, yes. Depends on how many Xanax. I will be there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how messed up can I be? And I just, I said, yes. And that's kind of been my mantra through this whole thing is just say yes and then worry about the consequences later. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that I'm going to be able to take care of myself and work through my fear. Just say yes to it and then we'll figure it out. And I said yes to it. And a couple months later, I walked into... A studio for the very first time in my life and sang a song in front of 10 people that were in the studio you know and one of them happened to be matt Nevesky, who plays bass for blue october he was the owner of the studio and he was like i'm not looking to take on any artists but there's something here if you want my help i'm willing to help you wow that's a big all compliment. i had to do was say yes and welcome to my mantra i said yes and it has completely changed my life 180 degrees. Like my yeah. life looks absolutely completely different than it did from that moment I said yes to how it does now. Why do you think that is? Because I'm living my truth. 
and I'm not stopping. Something I always wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I started writing music for the very first time. I started singing in front of people. I started standing on my own two feet and realizing, oh wait, Whitney can do this on her own. I moved out of Texas. I've never lived outside of Texas my entire life until wow. last year when I moved here to Nashville. You know, That's and wild. yeah. You know, there's a statement that Tom Segura said in one of his stand-ups. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tom. I love love his stuff. He's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But he throws in like little personal development things every once in a while if you catch him, you know, when he's talking. And during one of his stand-up routines, I think it's on Netflix, one of his specials, he said something like, if you're doing something that you hate right now, that I encourage you to pursue your dreams. He was like, because even if you don't achieve what you sought to achieve, I think there's much more fulfillment in the pursuit of what you want than in doing something that you don't want. Yeah. And I thought it was really insightful to say, because a lot of people will let the fear uh, uh, prevent them from doing it where, you know, they move to Nashville and they produce some songs and then they're like, but what if I, in 20 years from now, I'm just singing at a local bar and it's right. like, so what if in 20 years from now, you're doing something you're passionate about and you love and people are enjoying it? What if that happens? It doesn't seem like a really bad case scenario. Right, right exactly. now you're going to freaking FedEx and like driving the truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a better case scenario for you mm-hmm. and doing something you actually enjoy doing that fuels you up, that makes you excited about life again. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like it's so underrated because when you're in this mental space of I'm doing what I enjoy doing and everything when you have that mental shift from scarcity to abundance, everything looks different. The world is all of a sudden a place of opportunity rather than a place that's trying to hold you back and keep you down. So, I mean, now you've gotten a lot of opportunity. Doors have opened for you. And it's not because people are just randomly opening new doors. It's probably just because you can see the doors that are potentially being opened because you're actually walking down the path. Exactly. I'm like, I'm allowing it to happen, you know, and I have the, I now know, because my story is so different, I didn't grow up doing music, you know? I didn't grow up and performing and doing all these things that pretty much everyone else in the music industry did. Yeah, Um, I'll sing in church at least. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't do that either, you know? (laughs) And so for me, it's like, I now know exactly what it's like to live in that scarcity mindset, you know, at that, what, 25 years. I know what it feels like to not pursue your dreams every single day. So every day that I get a chance to pursue my dream is a win. I'm already winning. Exactly. That's, yes, exactly. That's the point. Like, you don't have to become Carrie Underwood Mm. to put a W in the column. No, but I'm going to. (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. (laughs) I'm always going to try. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And if your second song has already been featured on people, then I think that you're you know, trending in the right direction. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing is you mentioned, you know, people can sit there and be like, you know, 20 years from now, what if I'm just playing in a bar? My mind goes there too. I mean, I couldn't sleep two days ago and I was just running through my head about all the things that could go wrong and why I shouldn't be doing this. It's a stupid idea and I'm way behind and I suck. And like, you know, your mind starts to take you to those places. But it's like, if I end up singing in a bar in 20 years, I bet I had one hell of a good time like leading to that and like what experiences do i get to you know remember at that point of more fulfillment in that pursuit than you would succeeding at something else that you didn't even want to do exactly because i've done that and it's it's great but it's not that great yeah what do you think the i guess underlying principle or common denominator has been for you to be able to go from 
you know, competing in sports, doing MMA, you know, winning Miss USA, now singing and music, and you've continually reinvented yourself and, and, and been able to rise to the top of whatever field that you've, that you've been in. What do you look at as being the common denominator there? Because it's clearly not time involved, is my yeah. point, right? Because a lot of people are like, oh, just put in the work, put in the time, you know, and all that's true, but it's not exclusively true or else you wouldn't have a story like yours. You mm -hmm. can move into different fields and find success in a shorter period of time compared to other people who've maybe been doing it for twice or three times or five times as long as you've been doing it. Yeah. Do you have a, a kind of a formula for that? Or I don't know if I have a formula, but I think I just chase fulfillment, you know? And and I had a conversation with somebody who, who looked at my path and was like, well, don't you think that you're just not sticking with one thing, you know? And like, you just get bored and you maybe you should just stick with something. And I'm like, I mean, I could, but that doesn't sound fun to me. I don't yeah. want to do that. You know, like, this is my life. Thanks, Mr. Accountant. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Let me just sit here and do, you, I'll stick with one thing you my master whole QuickBooks, let me know how that goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, honestly, at one point I was like, oh, oh my God, is something wrong with me? Like, because I can't really, I can't stick with something. And it's not that I can't stick with something, it's that I just didn't want to. Yeah. And so for me, I think it's okay to move and reinvent yourself over and over again if you want to. Sure. If that's what's going to make you happier, great, then go for it. And I think when you're acting from a place of happiness and joy and excitement for your life and what you're doing, yeah. things happen more easily for you. You're not like, it's not like this grind yeah. and this work to try to make it happen. It's just kind of like easily, seem, seemingly slow easily happens a little bit more. Yeah, I was gonna say, often talk with people where I think that that is probably the best plan of action for them, where it's like you're opportunity hopping right now, you should just pick something and just go through the pain of learning it. Yeah. Because you know, a lot of people aren't willing to put in the calluses, aren't willing to get the calluses. You know, it's like when you start playing guitar, Yeah. everything hurts yeah. and you can't hold down the strings and you try to strum one chord and it's like buzzing and nothing sounds good. Yeah. But if you do it for like four months, you get calluses on your fingers and then like, oh, I can switch to another chord now. And mm -hmm. it's a little bit easier, you know yeah. what I mean? But that callus period is a difficult time, no matter what the skill set is. And I think a lot of people give up before then. But in your case, you clearly weren't that because you got good at whatever it is that you were doing. It's just that you wanted to switch to something different because it was new and exciting. Mm -hmm. I, I relate to that in a lot of ways. And we've had the, me and Jackie have had those conversations because I've done 16 different things in the last yeah. like nine years. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's exactly that. It's like, well, there's not much else for me to do here. I don't know. That's the thing, left. right? If I continue doing it, I know how that's going to end up and I don't want to end up there. So why am I going to continue doing it? Yeah. I want to do something different now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I relate to that completely. Yeah. That's, that's so true. And I think like, because I've done, I really think being an athlete has helped me a lot. Hmm. Like from being, you know, like I said, I started sports when I was four years old. Yeah. My entire family, my dad was a professional sailor. My mom was a professional windsurfer. My brother is <laughs> literally the most athletic person you'll ever meet. He broke a record for bunny hopping and like was on the Texas diving team. And like my entire family is so incredibly. What a, what a good mixture of random activities that is too. Like yeah. It's not like we all played football or, no, or golf. It's <laughs> literally like we just, we're just going to try all the things, yeah. you know, and see how it goes. Is this you four? Brother, mom, dad? I have two half brothers okay. and then my mom and dad. Okay. Yeah, we have the same mom, not the same dad. And then my other brother. Trey, who lives out in San Francisco, does like 
these insane bike rides that I can't even explain it to you because it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but they're like thousand mile bike rides through the fucking mountains and like, and he's like Arctic ice climbing and like all this. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. So, but I really think being an athlete has helped me particularly, you know, take that same mindset into yeah. trying different things because it's that callous period you mm -hmm. talk about. And so now with music, I do feel like I have catching up to do. And I think that helps me a little bit because I'm like guns a blazing. Chip like, on your shoulder. Oh, for Never sure. Anybody, yeah. And like, I don't have time to wait. Right. I'm not 22 years old coming up with a record deal. Right. You know, it's like, I have to make this happen now. And I've taken, you know, the mindset of X into my vocals. I train vocals five, six times a week. Mm. Whereas a lot of people once, maybe a <laughs> once a month yeah. yeah maybe they don't even do vocals right i have her do my warm-ups with me i go and do two-hour vocal lessons in person with her mm. i take online courses when it comes to the music business i'm like i'm just allowing myself to sit there and be like if i were to hire a coach on what's the best way to be the best you know athlete right. in the music industry mm. that's what i'm doing so i'm right. hiring all the right people to make sure i'm i'm just one supporting myself and doing it in the best way that I know how. Yeah, you want to win still. I want to win. It's still that competitive desire. Exactly. Yeah. The nice thing in this business is like <laughs> to win in this business, everybody else doesn't have to lose. Yeah. You know what I mean? We it's all get to it's win. It's an abundance-based business. Exactly. Like, you listen to 43 artists on your playlist. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so it's not true. not just one person, you know? Yeah, it's not like I have to take somebody out to take their spot. Right, you right, know? exactly. It can be a lot more collaborative in that sense. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you, you've been that way with the, yeah. with the friends that you've made here. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with Nashville is, you know, they say it's a music place, and it really is, but it's really for songwriters. Like, mm. You come here and you come to write music, not necessarily to play music. Musicians don't make any money playing in Nashville because there's so many of us here. If you want to go make money on the road, you got to go somewhere else. Sure. And but if you want to have access to the best writers in the world at your fingertips, yeah. they're right here in Nashville. You go to any bar and you just run into somebody and they have multiple number one hits on the radio without a doubt. Wow. You know, and. So it's a great place to meet people like that who are all doing the same thing as you. And most of the time, everyone's really accepting and welcoming because they've been you before. Yeah, sure. How do you view, I mean, the, the whole topic of the show is really about relationships and about how your environment can change the person that you are and the people that you get around can either make you a better version of yourself or a mm. worse version of yourself. And there's probably nowhere in between those two, right? Yeah. They're either making you better or they're making you worse. They're, there's not any neutral relationships. That's a really interesting way to put it because I don't think you ever hear it that way, Yeah, right? Because well, it's painful to think about it. Yeah. Because you think about, because it's hard when you have people that you care about and you love and you look at, you look at them and you go like, well, they don't make me better, but they don't make me worse. Right. Just telling yourself that they don't make you worse. You know they don't make you better. That means they're making they're you worse. They're making you worse. There's just no position in life where you stand still. Mm. You're going backwards or you're going forwards. You know? Damn. Yeah, I needed that. That's good. So That's my question good. to you is... Who's making me worse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we need some names. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll text them for you right I now. I have no friends. Uh, as an adult, and Jackie and I talk about this a lot, it's hard to make good friends with people who are in similar life stages, who have similar goals or desires, and who have the ability to sharpen you and, and turn you into a better version of yourself. How do you go about 
making friends with people? How do you put yourself in situations to meet the types of people that you've been meeting and, and write music with them and have fun with them and go out and yeah. things like that? Yeah, it's interesting making friends as adults. It's weird. Too, you know, it's very odd. It's super weird for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly why it is, but I will make friends with the wall. You know, <laughs> like, so put me in a room and I'm going to have friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> And it's just because I, I feel like I'm truly interested in other people. Yeah. You know, I truly enjoy just saying hi hmm. to somebody. Would you identify as an extrovert? Yes, okay. 100%. Yeah. 100%. But here in Nashville, I mean, I kind of have a little bit of a built-in community because we all play together at the same bars. A lot of the times you'll just go and support people. and sure. you have. But when you moved to Nashville, you didn't have any of that. I didn't have right? any of that. So how did you get that? Oh, that's a really good question. I think, oh, you know what I did? I started sliding in some DMs. There you go. Yeah, I Love just, it. I saw people who I liked their music. I liked what they were doing. They seemed cool. And I said, hey, I'm brand new to Nashville. I'm in the music industry. I'd love, if you have any shows coming up, I'd love to come check it out. Or I'm trying to write with as many people as I can. Are you interested in, in setting up a write? And most of the time, either they would just ignore you and be like, I don't know who this person is, sure. which is fine. Don't take it personally, you know? Exactly. It, but they're not going to reach out to you. Right. Yeah. You have to go out there and <laughs> right. make the effort to to find people yeah. and do that. And right. so that's really what it, that's what it was. I just started reaching out to people. Then I would go to shows, meet people. We'd start doing rights. And then, like we just talked about, you have to put the effort in. There's times that I don't want to go do anything. Yeah. Right? But... I'm in the part of my career where I am in that callousing part. I am like, I got to grind. Yeah. I got to go out when I don't want to go out. Mm -hmm. I got to go talk to people when I don't want to go talk to people, you know? And it's just about showing up for myself and for other people because I want them to show up for me too. And I know how hard this business is. Mm -hmm. And I know how important it is when your friend shows up to your show, yeah. like how cool that is. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you say it that way because there's so many people that I see now talking about like the power of saying no. And I don't know, a couple of years ago, I was like, I never understand this because yeah. at the time I just wasn't getting enough opportunity. What you're talking about is like, I was in the point of, of my, of the career path that I was on where I was like, I don't have the luxury of saying no. Yeah. It's like I said yes to anything. Right. Like you want me to fly to New Jersey to speak to 12 people? Heck yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to pay for it myself. All right, I'll be there. I'm there. You know what I mean? Like the hotel is costing me more that, you know, it's just like, I, I don't know what to do except for just say yes to every single thing that I can possibly say yes to, yeah. you know, and then you finally get to a point where it's like, okay, now I got to start saying no because right. the opportunities are too much, yeah. you know, but, but most, how are you going to get to that point? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think, uh, I think a lot of people take that advice way too soon. It's my yeah. point. They start saying no to things when they get too big for their britches before they actually should be. You know, they yeah, start you, saying no to all these things. Like, oh, I'm above that. I cannot do that. And it's like, really, you've been above that for like 13 years now. Right. You know what I mean? When yeah. are you going to ever like step into that next version of you? And you just never know. Like you never know who you're going to meet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I do this a lot because obviously in my agency, we, we get people booked on podcasts, you know, and, and one of the biggest things that I come across is especially with entrepreneurship space is we have a lot of people that make good money and they're trying to, you know, now get into the branding, you know, branding mm -hmm. themselves, podcasting and get out in front of people. I'm like, okay, well, we'll get you booked on, you know, these shows, these shows. And they're like, yeah, but I've never heard of those shows. It's like, okay, but nobody's ever heard of you. Right. So like, where do we Guess go from what? here? Like, <laughs> can't get you booked on Rogan and Tim Ferriss tomorrow, man. Right. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You know right. what I mean? Like, you're going to have to do some of this stuff. 
that maybe you feel right now might be beneath you. Like if you feel that it's beneath you, then maybe we shouldn't work together anyway. Because like, I'm still going to do all the shows that you're saying no to. That's yeah. the difference. That's why I'm going to win yeah. long term, because uh -huh. I'm still saying yes to all the ones that you're saying no to, because you think they're beneath you, even though I've been doing this for six years and you just started doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and if you listen to all like uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says all the time, you know, he went on thousands of podcasts as a guest that he had no business being on in terms of listenership or audience size. But it doesn't matter. At some point, something's going to happen that's going to take you to the next level where you literally like legitimately do not have the time to do those yeah, things which exactly. now he's at that point obviously. yeah but it took him a long time to get there and he was never too big for his britches like he was always willing to jump in and be like hey if i can make it happen even though i'm in the back of a new york city cab on the way to my next meeting i'll make it happen i got my airpods it might be bad audio but i'll do the show whatever you know what i mean yeah that's that's exactly where i'm at right now yeah. i am just i'm in it and exactly what you said too it's you don't know if there's seven people in the crowd you yeah. don't know who that one person is in there. Mm -hmm. Cousin is a producer for that other thing. Exactly. Who's like, oh, I actually might have a contact for you. Just never know. I mean, the first show that I played here was in a Holiday Inn. <laughs> there you go. You know, like I couldn't come here and and act like I'm something because right. I am nothing yeah. here. I have yeah. no one. So you go and you play that Holiday Inn show. Right. Well, that's that's huge props to you though because you aren't starting from nothing in terms of everything else in your life. You've, yeah. you've worked really hard a lot in, in a lot of different realms. And so for you to come in and be willing to start at the bottom at something that you, you know, were not proficient at or had not yeah. had not, you know, made a name for yourself in yet speaks to exactly why you're in the position that you're in now, because you were willing to start there. Mm -hmm. I think people in the industry want to see that as well. They want to know that like you're willing to you're willing to go earn your stripes. Yeah. That you're not just coming in and just like, oh well you're verified and have a hundred some thousand followers and you have a big podcast and you think you're going to come into this space and just like win, you know, but when they see you like at the bottom eating shit, just like everybody else was right. forced to eat shit when they got in the industry, they're like, cool. Cool. Like, we respect that. Exactly. Yeah. Like we exactly. see you and, and here in Nashville, I mean, you're talking about relationships when it comes to business. I mean, I know Gary Vee talks about like the monetary value of relationships is basically, you know, priceless. Yeah, like that's right. exactly what everything's built on. And here in Nashville, it's so based on relationships. People will not put you on a writer's round at their bar with 20 people if they don't know you. And if you right. don't show up for their writers, you don't buy a beer at their bar, they don't, get out of here. You're exactly. nothing to us, exactly. you know? It's, well, it's interesting. I feel like music, acting, I feel like there's a few industries like that, you know, there's no limit of the sheer volume of people that are trying to make it big in those industries yeah. where the talent pool, like if you try to come in and compete on talent, you will lose. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. There's For so sure. like you walk into a random bar here in Nashville on any bar, like within a two mile radius of this exact place that we're staying at right now, any bar, like the talent level that's behind the microphone is better than half of the people that are famous. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like the people. Oh, I know. I walk in like, there and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> I suck so badly. That know? would be the only thing that would give me hope is hearing how good those people are. Oh, Just man. To be, frankly, like, frankly, because like you go to a live show from somebody, again, that's super famous, that sold tens of millions of, al of, of albums or singles or whatever. And it's like, you kind of suck yeah, <laughs> like, live, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, it's so clear to me that it's a relationship-based business because yeah. it doesn't matter. Not, like, as long as you have a base level of talent, charisma, ambition, mm -hmm. like you, you can perform, you, you have something attractive about your personality, like there's something there, 
if you know the right people, that is the formula. To yeah. me, it seems, as an outsider, and again, I don't know the space as well as you do, but it seems to me because, because of the sheer volume of talent, like I'll go into some of these bars and hear somebody sing, I'm like, damn, they are good. Crushing like, Very it. good at like the instrument that they're playing. Their voice is amazing and unique. And it's like they know how still to work the, the crowd. Yeah, like right. they're just like experts. They're performers. Yeah. And it's, That's, like, it's yeah. It, it, it's clearly not just a talent thing. No. It absolutely isn't. It's a combination of talent. It's a combination of hard work. But ultimately, the only thing, like, if talent is in abundance and hard work is in abundance, the only thing that's in scarcity is relationships. Yeah. With the people that can put you on to the right opportunities. You right. know what I mean? The, the the relationships are the only things in scarcity. Like, that would be where people should be spending most of their time. Yeah, know? and it goes back to, like like you said, creating those relationships, yeah. you know, and, and being okay to show up at places that maybe you wouldn't normally go. Right. You know, right. And, and even when it comes to writing, too, something that, I, that I've learned is you're sitting in a room with someone for four hours. You better be an enjoyable person to be around. <laughs> you know, like... I didn't think about that. Yeah, so when you talk about writing is go in there, be nice, like yeah. be chill, be cool. Like yeah. just kind of have your personable skills, yeah. you know, online. Where they're going to want to book another session. Where they're going to want... Yeah, they're not going to be like, God, I just spent <laughs> four hours with this person and it was just brutal. Yeah. Like. What an energy suck, yeah, you know what I mean? Right. And it's just like, you have to just go in there and like, just be a good human being. Yeah. And a lot of the times it's gonna work out well for you. But if you go in there too big, your, too big for your britches, hot and whatever, you're not gonna get called back in that room. Yeah, right. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you. That work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So I want to talk about podcasting because cool. that's what I do. 
And yeah. I know that you did it for a long time and you currently do not have a show running. I correct? don't, but I'm okay. starting one here in like next week. Oh, much. sweet. Okay, yeah. So the itch is still there then. Oh, yeah. That was what I was going to ask. The itch okay. is there. Okay. What have you enjoyed about podcasting? What have you not enjoyed about podcasting? I enjoyed sitting down and talking to people and you get like their... I'm not on my phone. Yeah. You know, my intention is here with you. We're actually having a real mm -hmm. conversation. Uh, and I, so I think I really enjoy just doing that. And you get to go deep a lot of the times. Yeah. It's not just this superficial kind of like chit chat here and there. What's the weather doing? Blah, blah, blah. It's sure. like, I'm actually very curious, like you said, about people yeah. being able to sit there and just learn what makes them tick and what makes them different and what ha makes them have a unique story was always really intriguing to me. And and my podcast was True Sex and Wild Love. And we talked about very controversial topics that people would shy away from most of the time. Yeah. And I love that too, because it challenges people, you know, challenges people to think outside of the box. And I wanted to make people uncomfortable Yeah. to see, okay, what's underneath that? And like, can you think from a different perspective without being so judgmental? And I loved, I loved that. That was so much fun. What I didn't like is I don't like to do all the back end stuff. Like, you know, like the nitty gritty, <laughs> no. post it here, do this here, do show notes. Like, I don't like to do that. Yeah. But at, towards the end, I hired somebody, which made it there much go. more. I was going to say, there's people. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. So now, exactly. Like, people like, y'all can help out. Yeah. Now that I'm going to launch my, my new show is... I know what I want to do and I know what I don't want to do. What's and the new show? It's just a Whitney Miller podcast. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm just keeping it simple. I'm not trying to think about it too much. I want to talk about the topics that I want to talk about yeah. and and not narrow myself in so much because maybe this is something that, you know, you guys have felt too is I feel like there's such a narrative around your niche and like mm -hmm. making sure you're in that. Yeah, Otherwise, yeah. you can be too broad. And that's been something that's been challenging for me my whole life is yeah. I'm not one thing. Yeah. I don't have a niche, you know, like I'll be this niche for a minute, but then I'm definitely yeah. going to go to these 14 other things, yeah. you know? And so I've always just had been more of a broad person. Yeah. And that was one thing with true sex and wild love. I love talking about love, sex and relationships, but I wanted to talk about other things too. Sure. You know, it got to a point where I was like, can we just maybe talk about some fitness stuff yeah. or like, I got my Botox the other day. Can we talk about Botox? You yeah. know, like certain things like that. And so that's why I'm really excited about just to broaden it and just have another aspect of, you know, my brand as Whitney Miller and, and speak openly on the things that I want to talk about. Are you going to do mostly solo shows? or No, 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 mostly okay. guests. Okay, yeah. sweet. sweet. I like to do guests. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, it. the podcast for me has been like my number one hack for building relationships with people that I never thought would actually spend any time with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So just what we we're talking about, being in Nashville with all the access to people that you have here, there is literally no better way right. to be like, hey, I met that producer that one night at that ball, mm -hmm. talked for a second, and I can connect with her on Instagram, but we don't really know each other that well. Right. Hey, want to do an episode of my podcast? Or you can come <laughs> sit in my living room for an hour and we can really get to know each exactly. other. Exactly. You know? Right. Like, I'm not, it's not an ask. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when, when you get asked to do somebody's podcast, it's not like a, Hey, let's jump on a sales call. Cause I have something to sell you. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, Hey, let's have a conversation for an hour and let me post it to my audience. So I can share your story. Right. Like I'm interested I in highlight you. highlight you. Right. Exactly. And then throughout the conversation, you build rapport. They find out more things about you. Like to me that, that would be like the perfect thing here. Mm -hmm. How do I make 
instant tiny connections with people out and about and then immediately get them into my podcast. Right. <laughs> right. Let's have an hour conversation. Yeah. yeah. And and it just kind of like solidifies them into your world, right. which is very cool. Yep. And you get to yeah, you get to highlight them, make them look awesome, talk about them for a long period of time. Well, that's the thing when it comes to relationships for people who don't have a podcast or anything, like people like to talk about themselves most of the time. If you're sitting there talking about yourself the entire time. Yep. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> And start to get curious about the other person and ask them questions and see like where you guys can relate to each other. See where you guys have differences. I mean, that's what Absolutely. building a relationship is at the end of the day. Yeah, the quality of your life and the quality of relationships is highly dependent on the quality of the questions that you can ask people. Yeah. And the quality of questions you can ask yourself even. But yes, to your point, that that's why the podcast is a perfect vehicle. I tell people all the time, like even if you don't publish the episodes, or, or even if zero people listen, you get three listeners an episode. Who cares? I didn't Use expect it as that the vehicle. Expect yeah, it. Ex at, absolutely at the expect it. Yeah, you know? exactly. But don't let it stop you from doing it because the relationships are so valuable. Yeah, from it. It's that's a, just yeah. wild. That's huge. I have no, actually have never thought it about it that way because people ask me like, "How do I start a podcast? Or what should I do?" You know, yeah. and. I'm usually like, expect it to be more work than it is and expect no one to listen to it for a while. Totally. And if you want to do it because you want to make money, don't. 100%. Yeah. If, <laughs> if the goal is to become the next Joe Rogan, which is like, you know, we do, we have a lot of podcasters and that's yeah. always the line. It's like, it's like, oh, I just want to do something like Joe Rogan. Like, okay, stop right there. It's like, so you want to be like, it's not going to happen. Bigger than the president of the United States. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you want to bullshit with your buddies. Like the problem is like, you and your buddies aren't that interesting. Right. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like Joe Rogan is an interesting dude who has a lot of interesting friends. So who has a like, very interesting past because he's done so exactly, many different things. Exactly. You know? And he started it when there were like a thousand podcasts in existence, yeah. you know, so let's erase that. Let's start over. Like, yeah. You're not going to be Joe Rogan. Yeah. How do we do something different here? You know what I mean? Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I, I shatter their dreams. It's, it's interesting because here art like musicians don't really have podcasts that's wild to me it's very rare that you see an artist that has a podcast now that you mention it that is very true right Why and i that? don't i don't know i don't know if it's because they don't feel comfortable in this medium they don't feel comfortable interviewing other people yeah or it's not something that they're interested in doing i really don't know that and that's really so that was one of the reasons hey. i'm like Blue ocean opportunity for you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I was like, well, shoot, I already have the experience of running a podcast. I yeah. know how to do it. I like to do it. And really no other artist is doing it. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I found there's so much value in skill stacking. It's mm. like one skill or two skills maybe by themselves are valuable. But then when you put them on top of each other, it starts to add a lot of value. Yeah. And to your point, it's like, well, there's a lot of musicians here. You know, there's a lot of podcasters in Austin or LA or whatever, but there's not a lot of musicians. But there's a lot of musicians here and there's not a lot of podcasters. So like, well, I'm pretty good at this thing and I'm pretty good at this thing. But when we combine them and put them in one thing, it's like, now I'm really good yeah. because I'm the only one doing both of these things. It's like sometimes to niche down, you got to niche up and like, yes. and grab three or four things and stack them onto each other. And then you can be the person that introduces all these other people to this medium that actually, you know, promotes success. Exactly. You know? I also see it as going back to Gary Vee, we were talking about, um, you know, like when people are starting these different arts, like niche up, like you were just saying, is is like your brand equity, is like building your own brand equity in yourself. And so I do see me as, you know, eventually I'm going to write a book. 
So that's going to build my brand equity. Starting another podcast, that's continuing to build the brand equity there. And so it's like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to make any money off my podcast ever. I have no idea. I I hope so at some point. At the end of the day, I'm building more of a brand of who Whitney is, which I think in turn will only support what I want to do with my life. Absolutely. And it helps with literally everything else. That's why it's crazy. Like, it's crazy. And now that you're saying that, I can't think of any, but crazy that there's not a lot of musicians that that have them because it's like the perfect self-promotion vehicle for all of your own music yeah now that i'm thinking about it i'm just wondering too if because record labels have such a hand in everything people say and do and the Mm. persona that's put out to the public i wonder if podcasting is just too off the cuff yeah a little bit yeah I don't know. I'm just thinking that this could be, through. Because yeah, I know, I know that like the WWE and stuff like that is very much that way. Where mm-hmm. like if you want to get into, you have to go through like three different layers of corporate bullshit before you can get somebody even on your show. That and like none of them have their own shows. You know, yeah. so it's like maybe it could be it could be similar to yeah. that where they want to own the IP so much that they aren't willing to like, hey, we made you famous. We don't want you making money outside of us. Type of yeah. Thing. I don't know. I feel like that might be smaller. There's something going on why artists don't want to do it yeah, or don't odd. think about doing it. But you're going to do it. So, Yay. yeah. We'll, I'm going to start that trend. We'll, we'll, we'll experiment. Yeah. yeah. Let me know how it goes. Okay. Yeah. I'll have you come on and talk about Absolutely. business and podcasting. We'll just basically have the same conversation. Yeah, exactly. We'll just release this episode <laughs> on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, exactly. Winnie, this has been a lot of fun. I don't want to take up too much time when you got a lot of stuff going on. Before we get going, how can everybody go find out more about what you've got going on? I am wit in love on all my social platforms, which is probably going to change. I'm trying to get Whitney Miller. Maybe that maybe that girl will hear, hear me and give me her Instagram handle. It would really help me out. You, you DM'd her and nothing? I did. Yes, okay. I got denied. I didn't get denied. I just she didn't care about me. She ignored my message. Thanks a lot, Whitney Miller. Yeah, Whitney Miller, geez. <laughs> but no, so I'm like going through the process of like trying to figure out what that's going to be. But as of right now, it's Wit in Love, W-H-I-T-N-L-O-V-E. And then my two singles, Diamond Country and 15 Minutes of Fame are on all streaming platforms right now. I'm going to be releasing new music every four weeks. I don't know when this will come out, but I'll, I'll have a new song out here in a month, three three weeks well or so. Yeah, well that's that. Pedal to the metal. I'm going to be really That's tired, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going for it. And then you can check me out at WhitneyMillerMusic.com. Perfect. WhitneyMillerMusic.com. Please go check out some of the stuff that Whitney's got going on, guys. I know that you will absolutely not regret it. Whitney, thanks so much for coming on yeah, the show. Thanks for it's having me. This is fun. Of course.